Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. So often the book of Revelation is preached and taught through the lens of Jesus' return and the judgment of mankind. While those aspects are certainly contained in this vision given to to the Apostle John, Today, I want to focus only on the very last section of this vision and the book of Revelation, and for that matter, the Bible, the summation of all that precedes it from creation in Genesis to the end all in Revelation 22. First, I want to thank Sue Lancia for reading for us Revelation 22, 12 through 21 earlier in the service. We will look back together at some key words and thoughts, so I encourage you Have your Bibles ready and follow along. Have them open to Revelation 22. Pray with me as we begin. Heavenly Father, you've always been up to something, and that something has always been for our good and your desire for a genuine relationship between you and each one of us. Help us to hear and see And believe this in a fresh way today as we continue to unpack the culture of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God has consistently wanted a relationship with people. In Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit, we find them hiding in the Garden of Eden because they heard God walking near them in the garden. Then God calls out to the man saying, where are you? Genesis 3, 9. God wants a relationship with the man and the woman he had made. In Genesis 12, we find God seeking out a man named Abram. And to him, God says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. So it isn't just Adam and Eve that God wants a relationship with. Now it's the man he will make into a great nation. And through Abram, all the people will be blessed. In Genesis 29, God declares, I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. Exodus 29:45. Clearly, God is wanting a relationship with the people who came from and are related to Abraham. This pattern with God continues in the New Testament accounts as well. In the Apostle John's count of chapter 12, Jesus is quoted predicting his soon coming death. Listen to what John writes that Jesus says, quoting Jesus, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, John 12, 32. John goes on to write that Jesus said this to show the kind of death he was going to die, John 12, 33. I would add this, that Jesus also said this to show that Jesus wants a relationship with all people. 
The son is continuing the pattern and the passion for our relationship with people. The Apostle Peter also makes this declaration of God's desire in his second letter. Peter writes, God does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. 2 Peter 3.9. These are just a few of the passages in the Bible that reveal for us God's desire for a relationship with us. Not just one person, not just one kind of person, but with all persons. This is what sets the scene for us now to unpack what is revealed but often missed in these closing verses of the Bible. Now is a good time to open your Bible to Revelation 22, verse 12. Have it open and ready and follow along as we walk through these verses together. In verse 12, the voice tells John that he's coming back. John knew and believed this already. But when the voice declared that he's coming with a reward, which can also translate wage, I'm sure he wondered what that might have been. He is coming to give the people according to what they have done. It's important to note that what we do matters and has consequences. In verse 13, the voice identifies himself as God. I'm the Alpha and Omega. I am the first and last. I'm the beginning and the end. All these are phrases from the Old Testament used to describe God. In verses 14 and 15, the voice notes that there will be differences, two different lifestyles in particular. One is a lifestyle of those made righteous by Jesus Christ, symbolized by washed robes. The other is a lifestyle of those not made righteous by Jesus, described generally with non-godly behaviors. It's important to note this. The behavior identifies the camp people live in. It's equally important to note that behavior is not the criteria for moving from one camp to another. It's just the identifier. Only those with wash robes enter the gates into the city. The others remain outside. Please note this. Throughout the entire New Testament, we know that moving from unrighteousness to righteousness is a matter of God's grace and God's grace alone. Behavior will change, but it is the result of God's grace. The behavior only identifies whether or not that grace has been applied. In verse 16, the voice finally clearly identifies himself as Jesus, directly by saying, I, Jesus. But going on to say, the root of David, that is David's source. The offspring of David, that is his promised heir. And the morning star, which is described in 2 Peter 1, 19. And now we come to verse 17. It's often missed, and I must say it's overlooked by most commentators. No real commentation is made on those words throughout most of them. But it is essential to God's revelation of the culture of his kingdom. Listen now as we walk through these words together. The Spirit says, come. The Spirit's the Holy Spirit, who speaks for Jesus Christ, 
and does not speak on his own. And Jesus Christ, who does the will of his Father, does not do anything on his own. So therefore, this is saying God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are saying, come. We read again, the Spirit and the bride say come. The Spirit is God, the Godhead. The bride is the church, the people with washed robes, the ones made righteous by the salvation of Jesus. The church body, as a body of people, says, come. He goes on to write, let those who hear say, come. Every individual who hears and responds to the spirit and the bride now also join in saying, come. The culture of God's kingdom is invitational. God calls people to come. The church of God, the body of Jesus the Christ, call people to come. And every believer is to call people to come. We continue in verse 17 by finding who the invited people are to whom there is being said, come. First of all, it's those who are thirsty, which really describes someone who's in need. Now, thirst literally was a daily matter in Israel. There was little water, and much of what they had was rancid. But we can be thirsty for many things, friendship, companionship, truth, a place, meaning, purpose, just to name a few. But in case we miss it, these words are also given. All who wish may come. All are included in the invitation to come. People of all races and ethnicities, people of all religions, people of all genders, all people, including conservatives and liberals, including Get this, Republicans and Democrats, all people are invited. None are excluded from the invitation given by God and the bride and those who have had their robes washed by the blood of Jesus the Christ. All of them give the invitation to come. The final words of the Revelation, in fact, the final words of the Bible, include truly clear and pointed statements. In verses 18 and 19, basically are saying this, don't tamper with the scriptures. We are to stand reverently before and beneath the Bible. This is, after all, God's word. We do not look over the shoulder of the Bible to correct its teaching or its theology. The Bible looks over our shoulder to teach us correctly and correct our theology. The Bible is our source book of faith. It is our standard for teaching. It is our guidebook for living. The Bible in the covenant is said to be the only perfect rule for faith, what we believe, for doctrine, what we teach, and for conduct, how we behave. Then in verse 20, Jesus reiterates, yes, I am coming soon. And in verse 31, excuse me, 21, we're given a blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Thus far, here's what we've learned about the culture of the kingdom of God. Two weeks ago, we learned that the culture of God's kingdom is built on the power of love. 
If there's one thing the Bible reveals about God, it is that he is loving. And while God can do whatever he wants to get his way, his preference and his primary practice is love. John writes this in his first letter. God is love. Last week, we learned that the culture of God's kingdom is made alive in us by the seed that he scatters, that is, his son Jesus, that grows in us. Our role in the culture of God's kingdom is to be receptive to the seed, Jesus Christ, that God scatters across our life. The soil does not grow, but the seed grows in the soil. Jesus is meant to grow in us and make us fruitful, fruitful in character, called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, of which the core is love, and fruitful in reproduction, inspiring others to be receptive to Jesus. Our job is to tend the soil of our lives in which Jesus is meant to grow. And today, we learned more about fruitfulness in the culture of God's kingdom, especially the fruitfulness of reproduction. God sets the pattern of invitation, inviting all who would come. That invitation was made at the very beginning of creation to Adam and Eve. That invitation was made to Abram and all the people called Hebrew after him. That invitation was made even to those who were said to be the enemies of God. Let me give you an example. Jonah. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach repentance. Jonah decides he's not going. He goes the opposite way. And God uses his straight-line power to get Jonah to Nineveh by way of a giant fish. Crazy, wonderful story. Jonah then finally relents and steps not only onto the shore, but towards the city of Nineveh and God's invitation to repent, he preaches. It's a simple message. God's going to punish you if you don't repent. They repent, and God accepts their confession. Jonah is angry with God for forgiving them, but God is here expressing in the midst of the Old Testament scriptures that seem so focused solely on the children of Israel, God is expressing his love for people, all people, and even those who are apparent enemies of God and the people of his choosing. God invitation continues with Jesus. Come, follow me, he said, and his disciples did. Come and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you inviters just like me. And then Jesus left his message to his followers. Be my witnesses. In other words, be my inviters until I return. Invite everyone. No one is to be excluded. Do you find it exciting to be invited? Isn't it great to be invited somewhere? I was seven year old, seven years old. I remember it very vividly. Dick and Jim, two boys, one a year older and one three years older, were going fishing. And they came over to my place and they invited me to come with them. It was a wonderful moment. They knew I loved to fish and they've asked if I'd go with them. Thirteen years old, many years later, Dick and Jim were going water skiing. And once again, they came over to my place and invited me to come. 
Being invited can be a wonderful experience. The clear message to me in this text is that in the culture of God's kingdom, I am either an inviter or I am an invitee. Those are the only places I can find myself in the text. My friends, if you do not have Jesus in your life today, then I offer you this invitation. He wants to grow his loving self in you. He wants you to receive him. He invites you to receive him. If you would like to do that, then just pray this prayer with me. God, I believe that you love me. And I believe that you sent Jesus to show it and to prove it. I receive him in my life. And I desire that he grows your love in me. Thank you. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, I would encourage you to call the church office and ask to speak with me. I would love to encourage you and pray with you in person and celebrate the coming of Jesus into your life. Now, if you have Jesus in your life already today, I urge you to give him full priority for your growth. He is going to grow himself in you. I encourage you to be invitational also to others with no exceptions, no exclusions. Invite people to come to know God. Invite people to come with you and follow Jesus. And involve people with you in service to our neighbors, both near and far. By doing so, you become an active and vital participant in the culture of God's kingdom. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, for seeking to grow your love in us, your son, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, for inviting us to come to you and giving us the task of inviting others to you as well. In Jesus' name, amen.